This is Andrew Schultz. I'm the sales manager for CHS Ag Services. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have a report from Whitney Pittman as well. Nearly 70 Republican lawmakers have signed off on a letter to Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack voicing their disappointment in the methodology used to calculate payments for the 2022 Emergency Relief Program. The ERP program provides, uh, provided farmers with more than 75% of their calculated losses in 2020 and 2021. For 2022, those payments will be closer to 10% of the calculated losses. North Dakota Senator John Hoven, who is the ranking member of the Senate Appropriations Committee, the Ag Appropriations Committee, was behind a similar letter two weeks ago. USDA officials have blamed Congress for not providing enough funding to adequately cover the losses for the 2022 growing season. USDA will release the December World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimate report Friday morning. Country futures market analyst Daryl Holiday not expecting many changes. No production changes on the U.S. crops, none. They'll finalize those in January. Uh, they do give us their ideas on South America, um, on production, you know, what Brazil, Argentina, which that'll be watched, and that'll, but it's not near as important as the weather next 30 to 60 days or 90 days is down there. Uh, but the other, you know, the, it just in the end the will they could adjust the demand side of the balance sheets and sometimes they do. Holiday says it's going to take something big for USDA to make any changes in December. Take something big for them to change from November. Let me. That's the best way to put it. They might, but they tend to not do anything with those uh, demand side of things since last uh, in November. What I think will be interesting on the WASD might be on the back pages, which is people tend to never get back there and look at, and that is on the on the meat sector, what they do with the hog supply numbers, the production numbers, and what they do with the beef production numbers, although I don't really think the beef production numbers are outlined in their expectation, but that certainly the price is much lower in this fourth quarter than they were planning on projected, and they do that, and so that'll be where some adjustments occur, I think. Bennett Consulting Market Analyst Matt Bennett agrees. He does not expect Friday's supply-demand report to be a market mover. Friday's WASDE report is likely to be uh, very much a, 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 you know, a nothing burger, so to speak. I, I, I don't know many December reports that have offered much changes. I'll tell you that, you know, for Reuters and Bloomberg, Ag Market, the guys, uh, you know, that, are, that work alongside me, we all decided that as far as the U.S. balance sheets go, we don't really expect any changes. Bennett says USDA could adjust the South American numbers, though. You know, a little bit of reduction in that Brazil crop on uh, both corn and beans, I think, is a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's certainly a possibility. So, you know, I think moving forward, uh, you just have to ask yourself, uh, uh, you know, what would the USDA do? I mean, USDA in December typically kind of takes the month off, so to speak, and I don't expect this year to be any different. Crude oil prices closed at their lowest level since July due to skepticism about the planned OPEC plus cuts to oil production. Saudi Arabia has cut its prices despite agreeing to voluntary cutbacks in oil production. Saudi energy officials said the OPEC plus cuts will happen, but the market has not responded. The Government Accountability Office has released a study recommending huge cuts to the federal crop insurance subsidies for higher income farms. 
Combat Cell and Associates Managing Partner Tom Sell says this report was requested by members of Congress with little understanding of agriculture. That is the essence of a farm bill where everything comes under review. And, you know, there are a couple of senators who actually requested this study, and there are some opponents of. There, there is there's a group of members of Congress that, that, that uh, maybe don't understand, come from urban areas, don't really understand the, the impact and the, far, and the risks that farmers face, and just kind of have a callous attitude. And so, you know, there are some, there are some folks who might embrace these concepts, Ultimately, Sell does not believe this report will have much of an impact on the farm bill process. The Senate Agriculture Committee will meet this afternoon to consider two Biden administration nominations. Uh, Basil Ivanhoe Gooden has been nominated to be USDA Undersecretary for Rural Development. Oneida, South Dakota native Susan, Susan Mersinger has been nominated for a full term on the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Get the latest farm news, markets, anytime by listening to the Red River Farm Network podcast. You can find those at rrfn.com. This is the Red River Farm Network. Farm news on the Red River Farm Network. The Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer rose five points in November. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has that story. Purdue University Director of Commercial Agriculture Dr. James Mintert says farmers currently feel better about their current conditions than a year ago. And all the improvement was really driven by the fact that people felt better about the current situation on their farm. Uh, the current condition index was up 12 points compared to last month and 15 points compared to a year ago. The future expectation index was only up a couple of points compared to last month, although it was, I think, 12 points higher than a year ago. But Farm Financial Performance Index, that index was up a little. It was up three points. Um, November was the most positive reading we've had all year. And if you go back to May, when the index hit its low point for the year, I think it's up almost 20 points. I think it was up. People felt better about their farm uh, situation, and particularly they felt better about their financial situation when we asked them to compare it to, to uh, uh, last year. Mintert says a surprising harvest was likely a major contributor to the improved sentiment. Our survey covers all the major commodities, but because of the importance of the corn and soybean enterprise to the value of farm production, the majority of producers every month are corn and soybean producers. Uh, sometimes they have other enterprises as well, but they, they at least produce corn and soybeans. And, you know, I, th I think for a lot of folks, part of what happened here is, uh, especially in, in the Corn Belt, Yields this fall were better than people were expecting back in the late spring and summer. And I think we're picking that up with respect to this improvement in sentiment. I think the improvement is probably pretty strongly related to the fact that yields this fall were, were better than expected. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. The Agriculture Department has launched an online application process for its direct loan customers. In a news release, USDA officials said this new online process will make it easier for farmers and ranchers to start, expand, or maintain their operations. A shift in herd size and the scope of need has caused a drop-off in the number of food animal veterinarians in rural areas. Many operations can carry out typical care themselves, but it can be difficult to get help in emergency situations. Minnesota Veterinary Medical Association President Dr. James Bennett 
said their organization is asking state legislators to act. The Minnesota Veterinary Medical Association is trying to change licensure for certified veterinary technicians. As it is right now, Minnesota is one of only eight states where our veterinary technicians, which are sort of the veterinary nurse, if you will, are not licensed. And that kind of creates some problems uh, because they're not really able to do anything more than somebody just off the street would do. So we are, we are trying to get a licensure bill that would allow us to extend some of their activities so they could do things under indirect supervision. So, for example, uh, I wouldn't necessarily have to be on the farm. Um, I could have a technician out there doing some of the things that I normally do. That would help fill the gap for veterinary care. Now, assuming that bill passes in the legislature, there would be rules written as to specifically what those people could do. But but we do think that would help extend the reach of veterinarians in uh, in rural areas. It's not, not a global solution by any means, uh, but we do think it would help. Pivot Bio began in 2011 after two lab partners applied cutting-edge engineering principles to biology and changing, nit- and changing nitrogen fixation in corn and other cereal crops. Co-founder and chief innovation officer Karsten Temme says the goal is to make things easier for the farmers. We want to make sure that that the nitrogen a crop needs can be produced each and every day by these microbes, that they can make an enzyme for turning nitrogen in the air into ammonia and spoon feed the plant, but do all of that without any uh, request from the grower. Plant the, the seeds you plant in the spring along with the microbes from our product and everything takes care of itself. That's a lot. We have to take on our shoulders to design those products and to build them, but I think that's what we try to do is make life easier for the grower in a more predictable and productive way. Pivot Bio wants to develop partnerships with seed and trait companies. Well, I think we're just now beginning to lay the foundation for how the industry can grow across the decades to come. And part of that means being able to think about what could be possible with a better approach to nutrient management. So microbes now can be a cornerstone of how we think about a better performing, more dependable and predictable source of nutrients in the future. Some of that's going to depend on microbes, some's going to depend on synthetic, and some's going to depend on innovation nobody's dreamed up yet. But now we get to think about how Pivot can be a great partner, not just for growers, but other companies and other innovators, so we can help this whole industry move to the next level of productivity and efficiency. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. There's a lot of noise in the agricultural sector about biologicals. In a meeting with reporters in Fargo, Pivot Bio CEO Chris Abbott said the company's nitrogen fixation products are different. We, we operate very differently than both synthetic and many of the biologics. So our product works by naturally fixing nitrogen through microbes. And our genetic technology and work is focused on just that. Where others may focus on uh, nutrient use efficiency within the plant or certain PGRs, uh, we focus on the source of the problem, providing nitrogen in a better, more predictable, weatherproof way. In the past year, Pivot Bio introduced its on-seed product to deliver a more predictable source of nitrogen to the corn crop. Our first product was a liquid in furrow that was very successful, and we continue to produce that product uh, for those customers. Uh, but a lot of our new growth is coming from the on-seed product, and really because if I can do the exact same thing I used to do, which is plant my same variety in my same way with my same high-speed planter, and now I'm getting 40 pounds of nitrogen, so to speak, in my bag, that's a powerful thing. So all, almost all of our incremental growth is coming these days from the on-seed product. 
The microbes have a 60-day lifespan on the seed after it is treated. Pivot Bio products were used on 5 million acres this past year, a 60% year-over-year increase. Progressive Ag Marketing market analyst Brian Strumman says the grain endings ended quietly mixed yesterday, led by the wheat complex. The wheat complex had a decent day. Uh, you know, I think three-month highs in the Chicago wheat contract uh, certainly supportive news to the wheat complex. And China came in and bought a bunch of uh, soft red winter wheat, too, and that's certainly supportive to the wheat and it's nice to see three-month highs in that Chicago contract, and hopefully we can get Kansas City and Minneapolis to uh, to follow along here. And they're trading close to those levels, but uh, just haven't quite penetrated through that uh, resistance level. And Strumman does not think positioning ahead of Friday's supply-demand report had much of an impact on Tuesday's grain trade. This is a report in December that uh, doesn't usually give us a lot of news. It's uh, uh, really not much of a market mover, but uh, we'll see what they say on, on Friday. So, uh and again, I think you saw some pretty strong inspection numbers on Monday to, to pro- provide some support to the, the grains as well. House Agriculture Committee Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson has announced he is being treated for prostate cancer. Thompson said he feels well and is continuing his work. As we check markets, we are one and a half higher for Minneapolis wheat. The March contract's at 740 and a half. Chicago wheat for March, six and three quarter higher, and we're up by four and three quarter cents for KC wheat March. March corn, one and a quarter higher, 491 and three quarters. January soybeans in at uh, 1310 and a quarter were four and three quarter cents higher as we speak. As we check in on the farm calendar, there is a soil management conference, a soil management summit that is uh, taking place in Alexandria. That'll be held on uh, Friday of, at the Arrowwood Resort. Uh, coming up actually tomorrow and Friday at the Arrowhead Resort. Minnesota lamb and wool producers, they're meeting this week. That's Friday and Saturday, also in Alexandria. And the North Dakota Stockman's Association has its Stockman's Ball this Saturday, starting at 5 o'clock in Bismarck. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.